Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday, we love to check in on what this week's political agenda looks like. And our friends at the Australian Christian Lobby are always very happy to let us know what their directions are. And Martin Isles, who's the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, back with us once again. Martin, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Good to be back. Well, another cool morning, no doubt, for you in Canberra, Martin. And, uh, you know, and just like lots of other states and territories around Australia, you're wearing your mask, and but there's no COVID in ACT. What's the, what's the case there in, in Canberra for you? Well, it's a bit of a curious one, Neil. Um, I'm not wearing a mask at the moment. Unfortunately, it's not a 24-7 thing. But in, uh, in, uh, in public uh, places, uh, in buildings where you can't socially distance, you, you have to wear a mask for a period of two weeks. Um, and you're right, Neil, I, I don't think Canberra's had a case of COVID since April or May 2020. So it's been an incredible dream run for Canberra. Um, and uh, this mask mandate seems to have been brought in uh, as a result of the concerns in New South Wales. Uh, but, you know, we're all very hopeful it's going to end very soon because uh, rural New South Wales doesn't have any cases in this latest outbreak. Uh, and therefore, Canberra should be pretty much in the clear, you would think, uh, but, yep, these are the times we live in. Now, when there is lockdowns and restrictions, uh, one of the first things that's always included in the list of those organisations that have to change, it's not just small businesses, but churches and uh, churches who really have this wonderful opportunity to be able to stream online when you can't meet in person. But there's an issue that developed over the weekend the idea that the New South Wales government actually banned some live stream worship in Greater Sydney. What actually happened? Yeah, well, this was a big surprise. Um, In Sydney or in in New South Wales, the current public health order, uh, which is the legal document that's been created that defines the terms of the lockdown, uh, there is a clause in there. It's clause 14. And it says that uh, non-residential premises may have singers singing so long as they are part of a performance or a rehearsal. So in other words, if you go to a performance venue, yeah, you can watch a performance and the singers can get up on stage and they can sing without masks. Or if you are in uh, a pub in rural New South Wales and there's a couple of blokes on guitars who want to sing something in the corner one evening, they're fine. They can do that. They can sit there and they can sing. Uh, And so most churches were under the impression that Clause 14 would be followed on Sunday. In other words, for a church, we're going to have some performers. uh, And in the greater Sydney region, those performers will be singing into a camera uh, for the purposes of a live stream. But New South Wales Health, uh, or Minister Hazard, actually signed um, an an order uh, which uh, said that churches could not enjoy the benefits of Clause 14 uh, and that in a fairly unfair and discriminatory way, churches were singled out so that they were simply not even allowed to have performers performing for a live stream. Even a single singer singing at a camera in a practically empty auditorium for the purposes of live streaming church on Sunday yesterday was 
banned. Uh, and so that was uh, pretty extraordinary. And it's not the first time we've had some issues with uh, New South Wales Health doing some things that seem to single out churches for negative treatment. So we launched a campaign uh, on uh, we got running uh, Friday night and advertised it very early Saturday morning. Uh, and I think 2,000 emails went to the minister uh, in the course of just a few hours. Uh, there were some others who engaged behind the scenes as well. And we were able to get the minister to sign um, a new order which said, OK, OK, uh, in Greater Sydney, you're allowed two singers on a live stream uh, and in rural New South Wales, you're allowed five singers in church, uh, which still is not the full benefit of Clause 14. So it's still unfair to churches, but nonetheless, it was pretty great progress at pretty short notice. So one of those moments where you see an inconsistency in these lockdowns and you ask yourself, does that make any sense at all? Uh, and it, it frankly didn't. I mean, one rule, you know, one rule for all, right? Not one thing for the goose, one thing for the gander. Uh, and that's what we saw with the church thing. And uh, really glad that we can get it turned around. But uh, as I said before, we've had a couple of issues with New South Wales Health, so it might not be the first time we have to make a noise. Wow. And uh, there's a sort of a popular image still, I think, in some people's minds that church music consists of a little old lady on an organ, and uh, it's not really the case anymore. Uh, in fact, uh, Martin, I'll get your thoughts here too, because really the Christian uh, music worship team uh, issues and opportunities that are uh, created here mean that the biggest live music scene in Australia is, in fact, not the nightclub or pub movement, but it's actually the Christian church. Thirteen to 15,000 churches are estimated in Australia, and uh, lots of those churches have a whole band. Some of them have multiple bands, and certainly many, many musicians. So when we talk about live music and the sort of discrepancies that are created, uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, when you're saying, hey, the church is being discriminated against here, it really is that case because others are getting preferential treatment. Is that the case? Yes, I think so. I mean, it doesn't make much sense to me if in rural New South Wales you've got performers in a restaurant, for example, uh, and yet you, and there's people sitting around, which is what, what's allowed in rural New South Wales. Um, and uh, it doesn't make sense to me to have performance venues uh, up and running elsewhere and not to have the same rules uh, in churches. Um, you're right, Neil. Uh, some of the bureaucrats involved in this, they, they don't realise that church is such a key part of the lives of so many uh, residents of New South Wales. Um, it is mainstream. It's normal for people to go to church and for people to join their live stream when they're not at church. Uh, and churches are the largest live, live, live music um, gig in town, certainly every Sunday. Um, and uh, I agree with you, Neil. There's a, there's a disconnect, I think, from the reality uh, of faith in people's lives too often. Okay, well, there is a way listeners can respond uh, with the campaign you've got running there, and it's acl.org.au. Uh, some other things people can participate in as well, and other big issues, Martin. The proposed new national curriculum, well, the, uh, the curriculum uh, is being reviewed by the Australian Curriculum Assessment and Reporting Authority, and this Thursday is the deadline uh, for public submissions. What are you encouraging people to do? Well, um, many people will have heard about the new national curriculum um, and the efforts to sort of explain what's wrong with it uh, have been challenging to follow for many people, I think. Uh, but there is something very wrong with it and that's why ACL is setting up a campaign for people to write to the Curriculum Review Authority 
um, in order to express their concern. The concern that we have is that this new school curriculum as proposed, it just rips the heart out of Australia's identity. What it tries to do is rewrite Australia's identity, rewrite Australia's history, to understand it without its Judeo-Christian heritage. Now, that doesn't work, right? It's, it's as crazy as trying to understand Indigenous identity without the dream time. It just doesn't work. Um, but the curriculum actually tries to recast Australia's identity as Indigenous. Uh, and it has not just a teaching of indigeneity, indigenous culture and First Nations people and history and all that. It doesn't just teach those things. It actually makes those things the primary lens through which it sees everything. Every single subject area is all grounded in indigenous themes. Um, even, uh, and, and every single subject area gets critiqued according to indigenous themes, even French and Chinese, for heaven's sake is critiqued according to Indigenous themes. Uh, and so it basically makes the assumption that Australia is Indigenous primarily and it completely cuts out the Judeo-Christian heritage. It completely cuts out Western culture. It doesn't teach them the most basic things. I mean, there's no mention of half of Australia's prime ministers. It just doesn't teach the most basic things about the, the many good things in Australia's Judeo-Christian heritage. And the understanding of that Judeo-Christian heritage, to the extent that it's there, is extremely negative. Basically, kids are going to learn that this is a colonial, racist, oppressive empire that disturbed the perfection of the indigenous cultures, uh, and every Western notion is is criticised, um, highly negative. And people might have heard that in America at the moment, there's this big controversy in their schools with the teaching of this thing called critical race theory, which basically says America's racist. America's a racist empire. It's full of racism. Uh, it's full of oppression, uh, it's baked into the fabric of the culture, it's irredeemable. And so young people are really starting to hate America and become activists against America. Um, you know, race relations are at an all-time low, police are being defunded because they're racist and all this kind of stuff. And basically what it does is it says you've, America's racist. And this, this Australian curriculum is setting us up for a similar position where the kids are going to come out thinking Australia is racist. Um, indigenous culture is who we who we really are, and all this Judeo-Christian stuff is just negative, nasty, um, and it's oppressive and it's racist. And that's where this is going. That's why we're concerned. We think kids need to know about the Judeo-Christian culture. We think we need they need to know about the good things uh, that Christianity has brought to this country, the good things that the West built in the world. All of that's taken out. And if people have that concern, we are running a campaign where you can very simply write into the um, ACARA, it's called, uh, Australian Curriculum Assessment Reporting Authority, and let them know you're not happy with the way that the Judeo-Christian heritage and the Bible and all that sort of stuff has been taken out of the curriculum. It will affect kids in the next generation in a pretty big way in the way they understand this country. It sounds like an undoing of work that had been done and in seemingly successful in issues around reconciliation. So you have this revisionism focus on the past and as you say, Martin, trying to recast Australia's identity as Indigenous, but that in itself uh, ingraining what you're saying we're seeing other places around the world too, this critical race theory actually 
creating division rather than reconciliation. So uh, so it's acl.org.au and uh, there's a way there uh, listeners can respond to, uh, to that issue around the school's curriculum. Hey, let's talk religious discrimination, Bill. Uh, you're continuing to lobby MPs to make progress with the religious discrimination, Bill. How are things going? Yes, we are doing this, Neil. And listeners will be pleased to know that um, uh, I think there's a lot of goodwill on this now. There was real trouble under the previous Attorney-General where um, most faith groups were just banging their heads against the brick wall. It was really difficult to get our concerns heard. uh, And the drafting of the bill just wasn't reflective of what we needed. Um, And every time we needed something to be fixed, it never got fixed. And it just was difficult. And the final product upset everybody. The faith community was upset by it. Uh, those who were opposed to the faith community were upset by it. Uh, it was a bit of a pig's breakfast, unfortunately. And um, well, it's sort of a new day. There's a new Attorney General, Michaelia Cash. There's a new Assistant Attorney General, Amanda Stoker. Um, and the engagement has been far more constructive. Uh, there's a lot of goodwill there. Uh, and the engagement with MPs in the government has also become very um, positive as well. So that continues. But, look, uh, it hasn't happened yet. And this is an issue that's extremely controversial in the community. And so it does need um, people of faith to really, really stand together in order to uh, get behind this legislative reform, in order to ensure that the Prime Minister and the Attorney General really do push it over the line. It's going to be extremely uh, challenging uh, and people need to get behind it. And we've got a petition to let them do that uh, at acl.org.au slash rf for religious freedom. Uh, or just go to the homepage and the link will be there, and sign that petition. We do need people of faith to get behind this legislative reform to give it as much pressure as possible and get the best possible chance of a good outcome. It's been a few years coming, uh, and let's get the best possible result now. Well, interestingly, the timing of that bill will be very important, Martin, because uh, we're assuming that the government will bring this bill for debate before the next election. Uh, But when there are all sorts of big issues that can drown out the voices on this issue, that'll be an important time uh, to be actually uh, really making a lot of noise about the religious discrimination bill. The timing will be important and all sorts of other issues will be important because you want this to have real opportunity to to get public debate, don't you? Yes, exactly. Um, And um, uh, we are wondering whether it'll come before the election. We've been told that it might, uh, which surprises me because I I think it will be um, challenging for the government to uh, avoid this issue distracting from their broader election campaign. The media will will pounce on it. But uh, at the same time, it is an unfulfilled promise to the uh, faith community. And so they probably do want it done which is great to see, and it will be a real gesture of goodwill, I think. But the main thing is, Neil, as we've both said, that people do need to do what they can to get behind this, to show their support, to raise their voice, because the media voice against it will be strong, the activist voice against it will be strong, and so it's up to us in the faith community to have a voice that is in favour of it, that is strong, uh, to give the government the courage to write a bill that's really worth it and protects ordinary people from religious discrimination and promotes freedom of religion, which are under attack. Okay, before I let you go, Martin Niles, let me just get a little update here on what is coming because so many listeners uh, who've been listening in to these updates, as we do uh, most weeks, uh, we're, uh, we're on the back of a hugely successful 
campaign, The Truth of It Live, uh, where you travelled to so many destinations throughout the state of Queensland and tremendous success, thousands turning out, upgrading the venues because you couldn't fit all the people in that wanted to come and see the sorts of things that you would talk about. Uh, So now, Martin, the next leg is Western Australia. What are you expecting for, for WA? Well, good things, Neil, is the short answer. Um, we're having the same problem we had in the East. The, the venues we've chosen just aren't big enough, uh, <laughs> yes. even though we chose really big venues. So more than 2,500, I think it's 2,600 people are registered just for Perth alone, uh, and that is getting perilously close to full. So if people want to come to the Truth of It Live Perth on Thursday the 22nd of July, God willing, with COVID and everything, we're watching closely on that um, and we're hoping that the border situation becomes clearer but it's easy it'll be an easy reschedule by a few days otherwise and everyone will know about it but on Thursday the 22nd of July if you want to come to that get in now because we are looking real full we're also going to Geraldton uh, on the 17th of July Albany on the 18th of August and Bunbury on the 23rd of August again you can get through to that from the ACL homepage but yes exciting times come along and be encouraged um, and, uh, and, and say good day. As you say, over 2,500 people already registered for just one of those events that's coming up in Perth, 22nd of July. Uh, you're actually planned to arrive in WA, the first of those outings for the Truth of It Live in Geraldton on the 17th of July. That's a Saturday, so uh, no doubt you'll get uh, all Geraldton turning out to see you, Martin. Then uh, you mentioned, of course, uh, Perth 22nd, Albany on Wednesday the 18th of August and Bunbury on Monday the 23rd of August. Now for listeners who want to be a part of that, I think it's free to attend, but you do need to register. You can do that at acl.org.au and uh, you'll find links on all of these things that we're talking about today, whether it's the Truth of It Live tour Uh, or issues around religious freedom, the Religious Discrimination Bill, or the proposed new national curriculum, or for those listeners in New South Wales in particular, uh, issues around church worship. So acl.org.au. Martin, thanks for the update today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.